Welcome to the Fergus Falls Business Spotlight Podcast, the show that takes a deep dive into local businesses and the individuals that run our community. To guide you along the way, here's your host, Jacob Bittner. Oh, welcome into another episode. I'm excited to be here this morning. I have a Great uh, guest from a great community organization that helps a lot of artists. Um, I love getting to spotlight these organizations that do so much for other people within our community. That's basically what you guys are for. You exist, Springboard for the Arts exists to help facilitate growth amongst artists. Springboard the artists. We'll talk about all that. So I'm here with Michelle Anderson this morning. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. You got some coffee. How's the coffee? Love it. It's my favorite. These are, this is, of course, Stumbino's Coffee, the official, earliest and official sponsor of the podcast. This is the, I believe, Nicaragua. Okay. Nicaragua beans. So mm, delicious. Very, I think I I was trying to do the math a couple weeks ago of how many bags of Stumbino's I've gone through since I moved to Fergus Falls. And I think I go through like a bag a week at my house. I know I go through like a bag or two a week. And I don't know what that math looks like, but. I feel like I'm getting paid pretty well to do this by now. And everyone else gets to enjoy the great coffee as well. It's not just about me drinking good Stumbinos. It's about spreading it to the love of the guests. But by far, number one perk of the podcast, Stumbinos Coffee. That's why I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) On top of Stumbinos, I do want to thank Elevate Dispensary, Victor Lundin's Hotel 8, Lakes Area Grow Co., Biffley's Bookmark. A lot of downtown businesses there. You know, go support those guys. We got a cool downtown. We need a little, need a little, little extra boost down there. I think the future's bright down there, but you got to get out and support those businesses. So you guys are downtown located kind of where exactly? We are on the corner of Lincoln and Court Street. So we're right next door to the Viking Cafe. Okay. Awesome. Kind of there by the foundry down in that uh, the foundry's one mm-hmm. block down, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, and we're in the historic Benson building. So Um, History nerds of Fergus Falls might know a little bit about Martin Benson, but he um, he was the mayor for a while. He was actually the person that um, first got the funding and planning to get the roads paved. (laughs) But he was an undertaker and a furniture maker. So that's what that building used to be. Um, The front was a showroom for his furniture. And then the back was a chapel. And then in the basement was where he what did his undertaking um tasks awesome <laughs> very interesting um i, I we kind of got a little ahead of ourselves because the Sorry. location <laughs> no that's okay location history i brought that up so location history but we don't have to cover that later on the later down the road now so but i do want to get before we get into springboard and everything let's just give people a quick overview of you where were you born yeah i um was born and raised in dundas minnesota um it's a really, it was a really small town, um, between four and 500 people. So more people would know Northfield. Um, and that's where I went to high school and school. Uh, but I was kind of in this little tiny town that was adjacent to Northfield. Uh, there, there was just one block of downtown, two bars, a post office. Gotcha. Growing Um, up there, what did you like? What were your hobbies? What were your interests young as a kid or in high school? 
Um, I music has always been my life. I learned how to uh, read music and play piano before I learned how to read words. So I was taking piano lessons um, right around four years old. Okay. Um, and singing, writing. Um, I remember writing or pretending to publish a bunch of little books when I was growing up. And uh. um, and then just nature. Um, I grew up in um, on the edge of town, so we were really kind of like um, surrounded by nature. And my parents um, got a grant when they bought um, shortly after they moved to that area to um, convert a cornfield into native trees. And so I grew up surrounded by just thousands and thousands of um, evergreens and walnut trees and um, just spent so much time just like wandering um, out in the, in the trees. You mentioned you're a musician. You do have the ukulele here with you today. (laughs) Um, I don't know that you don't play music for money. You're not like a professional musician, but we're going to get treated to it here today. So I'm excited to hear you wrote a song about Fergus Falls. We'll we'll hear more about that at the end of the episode. So if you guys want to stick around for that, feel free to stick around because I think it's going to be good. A little ukulele uh, happiness this morning is what the world needs. I think yes, so. I think so. <laughs> um, how about uh, a little bit more about you, your college, did you go to college or what yeah. year did you graduate high school? So I graduated in 2000 and um, I went out to Portland, Oregon to Lewis and Clark college. Um, and I studied music there. So I was a music major. I um, focused on piano performance and composition so I spent most of my days in the practice room working on piano sonatas and um, writing music, and um, and then yeah, that um, just was surrounded by a great music community there. But I also was really interested in um, writing, so I was always doing writing on the side. And I think part of my music background was really to put words to music. So I um, I think that's what got me into composing. Was I wrote a lot of poetry, but I. I wanted a different like mechanism to put it out in the world. Right. And so I set a lot of my own um, poems and other people's poems to music. So, oh, so you've written a bunch of songs. Do you have a handful of songs and stuff you've written? Oh, I have oh. a lot of music I've written. Oh, <laughs> do, you, do you work with anyone here? Local? Like, do you play music with people on a regular basis? Do you get together with people and do that? Are you collaborating with people to make songs here in Fergus? Um, here and there. So um, I've actually, I, I played piano, um, with the blue red roses a few years ago, um, when they started doing their live shows and, um, yeah, Dan Olson has been, um, just a good friend of mine and supporter. I, I want to do more. Um, but honestly, it's having a full-time job where I'm the director and, um, and having a four-year-old doesn't leave a whole lot of time for it. It's kind of one of my, one of the big tensions of my life is um, making the space for it, but also finding the people to collaborate. So um, I I think I have a kind of um, unique niche in my music and it's been hard to find <laughs> the people that, <laughs> that match that because I, I have this classical background, but then I tend to like use that to write kind of folky songs, but cool. I, I can't jam, you know? So like ah. people are like, Oh, come and jam with us. And I'm, I show up and I'm like, I, I need something to, you know, I need some chords or something to start from. So, um, yeah, to be continued. So, I think, yeah, I think I'll, it'll come fit back go. into my life someday. Awesome. That's, yeah. awesome. Well, I'm excited to hear it today. I'm excited to hear, hear, hear some music today, but, um, so then college, 
you, where did you, you, you mentioned you're married, you have a four-year-old. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that happened out in Oregon, no. if you guys, where you guys met or how long did you live in Oregon for? Yeah, I was in Portland for 11 years. So um, just after college, I um, I worked for a couple years for the Oregon Symphony and worked on their education programs. So I got to write scripts for some of the youth concerts. That was really fun. Um, and then I, I got laid off. Uh, I think that was a big um, moment because symphonies are these huge institutions that are struggling. And um, the day I got laid off, I walked into this... Um, nonprofit music school in my neighborhood and told them, I suddenly have a lot of time. Like, how can I help you? And started volunteering there um, with their fundraising director and um, eventually got a job there as their community um, engagement director. So I worked for about seven years at this amazing nonprofit community school that was all about bringing music education to um, low-income kids and families. Mm. Um, and that was a huge kind of, um, it, that, that was really when I started, um, realizing that there was this whole world of art and community development and people thinking about how, not just the art making and the product behind the art, but also how art and music and everything is a process to make a community stronger. Yeah. I mean, that, that statement there is so, there's so much to that, like, you, yeah, you think about the products and yeah, it's cool to have whatever this, this cup I'm drinking out of. Yeah, it's a cool cup and everything, but what does this cup really represent? It represents so much more than a handmade cup. It represents a community that is expressing itself in Absolutely. any way. So yes. yeah, I like that. I like that approach. So then I guess, how did that transition from Oregon to, how'd you end up in Fergus? Fergus? Yeah. So, um, and don't leave anything out if there's a lot to fill in in between coming yeah, to Fergus, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's actually a really fun story. Um, I'm trying to figure out. So I, I really loved my job in Portland. Um, I was surrounded by musicians, like everything on paper looked great. Like I was doing what I loved with people that, um, that I connected with. Um, but I was, I was really missing something about rural Minnesota that I couldn't quite like, um, put, um, put my fingers on. And part of it was family. Um, you know, like as I got a little older, um, into my late twenties, I, some things happened with my family that, um, just really started to make me reflect on, you know, where do I want to be in the world when, um, when like these big moments in life happen, when someone gets sick or somebody, um, needs help and where is that like unconditional support? Um, and I think alongside of that, I had a nonprofit job in Portland and I wasn't getting paid much at all. Right. Um, and Portland was getting extremely expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so I was also um, just kind of looking ahead and and trying to um, just look at my values and who who I want to be around, where I want to do the work I want to do, and. Um, at the same, and so I started that process by applying to graduate school, and I got into this um, master's program at Goucher College um, in cultural sustainability. And I started that program while I was still in Portland, and um, that that really started to um, I don't know, just help me chart a, a path that felt really authentic to me. And just to give a little background, because um, not cultural sustainability is you know. What is what is that about? What's yeah. what 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 do you do when you get a master's in that? Um, it was kind of this perfect combination of 
um, like nonprofit and public service, anthropology and folklore and activism. Hmm. Um, and it was started by um, public folklorists that study culture and tradition that um, knew there was sort of a um, more applied way of using their skills in the world to actually make change or change policies or help communities um, be more self-determined and so forth. So I, um, I just sort of had a big, um, I don't know, like kind of an extended epiphany during that program, thanks to a lot of amazing um, advisors and um, peers. And I, I remember writing an essay for that program that was just, I could just see this life. I could just imagine this life doing art and community development in rural Minnesota. And I remember writing and kind of like fantasizing about it a little bit. And, um, and then one day I, I was looking online and kind of exploring what was going on in Minnesota. And I saw this job description uh, for a program director to start Springboard for the Arts um, first rural office in Fergus Falls. Because we didn't have one. We didn't have it. Yeah. Interesting. This was 2011. And you had, you said you had family in the area? Yeah. So my... Because obviously that's why you were looking at Fergus Falls, right? Uh, I, I mean, I actually wasn't really. I was looking anywhere in Minnesota at that time. Um, so when I saw Fergus Falls, I was... All these, like lights you know like started flashing red in, lights in my, no like like happy <laughs> happy joyful like rainbow twinkle right, lights right right <laughs> no and I remember my heart like started pounding really fast when I saw that and yeah so as far as the family like my entire extended extended family is from this area we were the anom anomaly in our family because my dad um was air traffic controller so they moved down to th southern Minnesota to work and raise a family but um, my, um, the Anderson side of my family, they were um, homesteaders just south of Rotsay. Some of them lived in Fergus along the way. And then my mom's family is from the Barnesville, Baker, Sabin area. Okay. Um, so this is home, you know, gotcha. even though I grew yep. up. Yeah. Um, so I applied for the job. Um, I had, I think, a few hours before the deadline. And so that's why I was kind of like also panicking because I had just stumbled across like what looked like the perfect thing. And got my application in, and um, yeah, I interviewed. They f they flew me out here for a interview, and I don't know, four or five months later, I packed up my stuff and my cat and drove and across cat the country. My cat, <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, yeah, moved here. So I I I got here in June of 2011. So it's been um almost 13 years and springboard for the arts started then in 2011 yeah that's when that's when it started yeah gotcha so um what about meeting your husband oh <laughs> and starting your family yeah um so spencer and i actually met online um what was the app oh gosh this is okay is it tinder no okay that wasn't around then <laughs> <laughs> it was like eHarmony. <laughs> um it was okay cupid okay cupid okay yeah um and it yeah it was kind of funny because like I, I don't know it, so you guys met online before <laughs> meeting online was really a thing <laughs> oh it was a thing uh, it, it was, was it yeah. was a thing. okay <laughs> but it was more yeah it, 
I don't know. That that's maybe a whole other podcast as people who met online. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a it's kind of a cute story because uh, I actually was really annoyed with. I had met a couple other people, you know, and it just I just didn't like the platform that much. I was getting really annoying messages, so I actually logged on one day to delete my account. Um, and he like literally as like right before I pressed delete, he sent me a message and said hi. Your job sounds cool. Isn't Otter Tail County great? <laughs> and I was like, uh, uh, and then like something about him just um, mentioning like his love for this region made hmm. me, made me message him back. And then, yeah. Huh. Um, so he, yeah, he, he grew up um, in Rolog and was working in Fargo at the time. And okay. then after we dated for a while, he moved down here, got married. And oh. Yeah, we have one son um, who will turn five next month. Cool, so. cool. Well, congratulations. It's a cool story. It's a cool story. <laughs> um, so then talk to me about the founding of Springboard. So Springboard, from a little bit of research I did, it looks like it existed prior to 1991 with a different name, but the name Springboard for the Arts was kind of, the organization was founded in the early 90s. Yeah, that's about right. So um, Springboard is about 33 years old, founded in 1991. And um, it was originally called Resources and Counseling for Artists. <laughs> and it was actually founded by um, a musician, Chris Osgood. Um, he was a, he was and is a um, punk musician. So I love to think about like our, our roots as an organization and like the punk music scene and kind of <laughs> like, you know, when we get stuck, like go back to that, like what are, <laughs> what, what what about that can like guide our decisions? Like and how can we be more punk? Thus you brought um, in Dom Fascio. <laughs> we'll get to employees yeah. later, but <laughs> yeah. So um, and then Springboard changed its name. I honestly can't tell you what year, but it was sometime in the two um, thousands when our current executive director Laura Zabel started. Right, and they just you know they wanted to kind of rebrand and and kind of two thousand two. Thank says. you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, it started as a very small organization, just a few people, um, really focused on um, that exact phrase, you know, resources and counseling. So doing consultations for artists to help them with their careers and setting goals um, and then connecting them to um, all kinds of resources. And that's still what we do. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, just the way we do that has um, evolved and grown in um many, many, many ways. Yeah. So talk about the startup process of the local branch here. Obviously there was a board of directors that was established before you, cause you were hired by them, right? There was a small mm -hmm. board in yeah. place and yes. then they found you. And then I don't know how that operation works or how talk about the startup and kind of the flow, how that built. Yeah. So um, the reason Springboard exists here is actually because of Maxine Adams, who's the director of the Lake Region Arts Council. And so the legacy amendment had just passed, which, um, for those of you who don't know, pretty much tripled arts funding in Minnesota. It's huge. It's really the reason we have what we have here in Minnesota um, to support artists. And Maxine had worked with Springboard before and wanted, um, was she just reached out to Laura, our director, one day and said, you know, there, we have this empty space next to us um, in the River Inn. And um, we'd love to, have you ever thought about having like a field office in a small town? And um, Laura um, jokes that she was just like, yeah, let's try it. 
like without kind of doing, you know, the things that you're supposed to do as a, as a planner or whatever, like a feasibility study, all that stuff. But she just said yes. And um, then they figured out a little bit of funding to do a pilot year. And so I was hired kind of on a trial basis. Right. And, um, and when I moved here, just, you know, was given the keys to this office and, uh, kind of set free to figure out what it meant to have a field office for this urban based organization. Um, and that freedom is, I really like, um, I really thrive being trusted and like not being kind of told to replicate something, but just to explore what's possible. And so I felt really, um, I don't know, it's really unique to be trusted in that way and just have this like blank slate to start from. Um, so that's kind of the origin story. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned location history of the current building you're in. You, you also mentioned you guys, there was a vacant spot and the river Inn. so did you guys mm-hmm. start at the river Inn and then move? Yeah. Is it two locations or is there more? Yeah, we've had two locations. Two locations. Okay. Yeah. So we started next door to the arts council, which, um, most recently yep. was that white rabbit, um, antique shop. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. How about, uh, history of products and services, mainly services, right? Do you guys do products? You guys sell any physical mm, no, products not or really, services? Not really products. So yeah. So springboards, um, so our mission is, um, to connect artists with the skills and resources they need to make a living. And so everything kind of falls under that, but, um, we, so so really like our core programs are around centered around business and entrepreneurial development for artists so we have this really beautiful workshop series called work of art which um takes artists through um a lot of different steps to have a um successful arts career so starting with just basic career planning going into financial management record keeping legal situations. Um, a lot of things that artists find themselves in really unique situations. So, you know, traditional business development is not always the best fit for, for somebody that's like a touring band. Right. So, so we, um, and our services are all created by artists for artists. So every person at Springboard is an artist and has gone through, you know, all these, these different uh, journeys in their careers. So, um, but we also, I mean, I can't get like, we have such a robust set of programs that it's impossible to list them all. But I think the, the thing for people to understand is there's kind of one bucket of work, which is supporting artists in that um, in those business skills and making a living. And that can look like legal referrals, um, consultations, um, even we even, um, did a whole program helping artists access health resources cause artists are, you know, gig workers. And so they don't have reliable health insurance. So, um, we were exploring that for a really long time. And, um, but then the other part of the work is community development, which is really my passion and kind of where I come into this. Um, because we believe our, our whole philosophy at Springboard is that artists are essential. They're essential to, every community, um, to be, to meet its potential, to thrive for relationships, to be mm. strong and connected and for people to, um, Mental health. really celebrate and, um, feel proud of where they live, yeah. you know? And like, think, I think that's really intangible because, but I do think that leads to somebody 
even if, you know, somebody having the motivation to start a business in that place. And I think artists can sort of set the conditions for a community to believe in itself. Yeah. Um, okay. So I got off track, but if, if artists are essential, a, they need to be paid. They need to know how to, um, be valued, how to, um, offer their services in a way that, um, is sustainable. But we also, um, do this, this work around community development, which is about working with non-arts, um, leaders and organizations and helping them see the benefit of hiring artists for their goals. Mm. And so, um, one, one example of that would be, um, we've, worked uh, la- a couple, or last year, um, we worked with Ottertail County Public Health on a project that um, explored the impacts of the COVID pandemic on the community and um, worked with a couple of artist organizers, Naomi Sleishman and Wesley Cree. Um, so we, we have this concept of artist organizer um, at Springboard where it's like a hybrid of an artist in residence and a community organizer and try to place them with these um, community development organizations to um, use art as a process to come up with um, new approaches to strengthening community to connect people and also to like change narratives. And so they put together this beautiful exhibit with a bunch of high schoolers about the impact of COVID on the community. And it was a way to give youth a platform during that time when all the adults were making all the rules and decisions, uh, you know, so it was, so that's one example and it looks like so many different things. Um, but that's where I, that's really my passion is how can we get artists to the table um, with all kinds of different community issues? Um, even the ones that feel impossible, you know, like climate change and um, democracy. <laughs> Interesting. Ah, there's that political activist in you there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, we'll get, I want to, you mentioned a few like of your initiatives and your programs that we'll talk yeah. about those a little bit later. Um, those like specific things that are happening right now, obviously you have so much going on, but talk a little bit more about the structure of springboard. It's a international nonprofit organization. It's just for, it's just in the United States. Is it all over the country? How yeah. does the funds, how are the funds trickle down to you? Do you raise your own funds? Yeah, those are great questions. Um, so we we are a national organization. Um, our approach, though, is very um, it starts very hyper local. So we we do a lot more kind of hands on um, in the communities that we're stationed in. So in Fergus Falls slash Ottertail County, and then down in St. Paul, we're really involved with those local communities. But um, I think what a lot of folks maybe here in Fergus Falls don't realize is that we're also running these programs that serve artists all across the country. Um, my work really focuses on rural artists in the upper Midwest. So just kind of like North South Dakota, Iowa, you know, you can, I, I won't list you all said the states. Saint, but you said St. Saint, Saint Paul, Saint Paul and yeah. Fergus Falls. Yeah. Are those the only springboard branches in Minnesota? Yes. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I would have assumed it would have been more like a, economic development thing like where every city has a little thing or it would be like a habitat for humanity where it's serving like you're you're regional but you're serving kind of like a community and then there's one a little closer i that surprises yeah. me that so fergus is kind of a 
it it's a resource for artists all around the nation and state to really come to your guys's organization for funding. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And there's, there's kind of a reasoning behind that. Cause a lot of people asked and still ask, you know, are you going to open other offices and other communities and really um, having the urban and rural setting helps us um, create programs that are more relevant to different, the different communities that we serve. But if a town or a city really wants their artists to thrive like that, maybe they, they create something similar to springboard, but it's going to be better and more relevant to the community if it comes from the community. So we're often helping other towns start their own types of artists, um, resources, uh, you know, centers or programs, and it's going to look, it looks different everywhere, but that's a kind of a core belief that, um, we don't want to just replicate, 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 but instead really fast help other yeah. people kind of get to where they want to be. Absolutely. That's um, a great, that's actually a great way to approach that. You know, it's like the teach a man to fish or, or, <laughs> or feed him, you know, maybe, but it's yeah. like what it, it, the model isn't necessarily a copy paste model for every community. Every community has different things that it has, that it needs to address and focus on. Right. So. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the rural office here in Fergus Falls, um, we, we really like to think of it as this hub and home for thought and development about the role of arts in rural places. And so, um, you know, we have all these core programs that the whole organization offers, so we'll bring them anywhere. Um, but at the rural office, we are always um, working with rural communities and artists all across the upper Midwest and sometimes the country um, to, to create kind of these broader resources. And those tend to focus more on helping people share ideas and connect uh, and support each other in kind of this network of solidarity around the role of art in so the funding places. comes from yeah. the funding comes from the organization at a national level to you then. And it's all philanthropists and mm -hmm. yeah. Um, that money comes from people giving it. Yeah. So we are, we have um, most of our support comes from private foundations and, you know, they're um, the, the biggest ones are actually located here in Minnesota. So like, the McKnight Foundation and the Bush Foundation. But then we get, we also have funding from national uh, foundations like the Ford Foundation and Kresge. Um, and so we are just always piecing together and trying to project and, you know, make our case <laughs> to those, those funders every, every year um, that this work matters. We get some public funding as well from the Minnesota state arts board through the legacy amendment. And then, um, that helps with some operation costs. And then, um, so there's certain tax tax money yep. essentially does trickle into you guys. Yep. Yeah. Taxes go towards this. Gotcha. Yeah. And then earned income as well. So, you know, we, we do a lot of contract work. So like, a maybe an economic development organization will contract with us to bring our workshop series to their community. So gotcha. then we're also trying to, you know, bring in income for that. So, um, that's the, you know, the, there's more to it, obviously, yep, than that. Yep, but, but that's that's and that's, I, that's what people need to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I do our yeah our um I do a lot of I don't directly do the fundraising, but obviously I'm you know writing a lot of the grants and doing the planning that supports right. that. So um, yeah. talk about employees. How many people locally here in Fergus Falls? 
so yeah, our rural team here in Fergus is a team of three. So uh, we have Dominic Fascio, who you mentioned. Uh, he's been there for seven years, I think. And then Molly Johnston, who's been there for two, I might have that wrong, two or three years. Okay. <laughs> um, and then down in St. Paul, there's about 20 people. Okay. So, and we work very closely with them. So we're not just a silo doing our own thing. Like we're constantly collaborating across programs. And and what are your three roles? So I'm the rural director. Um, and then Molly and Dom are both um, rural program managers. Molly focuses more on um, program management of our community development programs. Um, so we have a rural regener- rural regenerator fellowship that she manages. Um and we're just launching, and I want to talk about it a little more, this Falls Community Arts Exchange. Um, I'll share more about yep. that in a minute. Yep. And then Dominic is kind of our um, facilities and office manager. So he, you know, um, he is the person you see when you walk in, <laughs> in the, and he kind of fields all the questions we get and, and then manages building and space and events and things like that. Gotcha. So, cool. Yeah. Dom is a future guest on the show yes. for sure. He's got his own story to tell. I can't wait to hear, hear his, <laughs> but uh, um, how about like opportunities to get involved with, are you guys looking to hire? Are you, do you seek out volunteers to help with stuff? Um, are there new open positions within the company at all? Um, not currently. We, um, we have been growing, so much though we've done a lot of hiring in the last couple of years um and then we do we're always looking for uh we often work with different artists locally on a contract basis like Aaron Sunday who you had you know we we hire him for um sound and things like that um so it's not out of the question we may maybe looking for help sometime in the next couple years but not in the current moment how about um and this kind of will tie into the sort of the text you sent with the, with the three events or whatever. Yeah. Um, I want to get into, to those, the op-ed is sort of a little off topic, right? Or kind of, yes, kind of no. Uh, it's, let's just go there. Let's address the op-ed. Let's address (laughs) that documentary too. Tell me a little bit, tell me a little bit about the documentary, a little about the op-ed. I haven't seen the documentary yet. Okay. Well, the doc, the documentary is a rabbit hole. So I'm going to try to not get into the rabbit hole. If, if I do, will you help me out? (laughs) I'll dig you out of it. I'll get, I'll dig you. I'll toss you a rope. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, I mean, most people that live in Fergus Falls will remember this, but um, in 2017, um, a journalist from this German magazine, Der Spiegel, came and wrote a huge expose, you know, style article about Fergus Falls. And it was specifically um, trying to portray a small town in rural America um, right after Trump was elected. And so, you know, there were a lot of kind of stereotypes and... um, um, you know, just these monolithic stories going around about rural people at that time. And um, it turned out when the article came out, it was anybody from Fergus Falls that read it knew it was all fiction. He had made everything up. He never came here. He just wrote He it. did come here, oh. which is the very, like, that's, that's the thing that I really don't understand. Like he came here and spent, so he came here to kind of get a sense of, to kind of, um, get photographs and then kind of make up stories behind the people he photographed and he mashed different kind of personalities and stories together. So there's like, it could have all been true, but he sort of conveniently wrapped. So what did he portray us as then? Um, uh, As like this really desolate, bleak, out of touch, racist um, community that 
I mean, just even just images. Well, we're not like, that out of touch. No, no. I. <laughs> you know, no. we're not such we a are, bleak, bad community here. <laughs> we have our, we have a lot to work on, but like it's. But he, he picks okay. the wrong town, like because okay. there's so much. There's so much. I don't know. There's so much dimension to life here, and that would have been actually a great story to look at those dimensions. So your perspective, from your perspective, so, was this guy came in and basically. Re- picked a little small town, figured he could write a little story about it, spread it off in his own little part of the world and no one would notice. And he could just kind of write whatever story he wanted to write. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I, I don't know. The, I think that's the other and, thing is like, and assuming, Fergus wasn't the only place he was doing that. Yeah. He wrote um, several other articles that um, were actually a lot more harmful and they weren't really about communities, but just about um, these other um, topics that, it's it's hard to summarize, but um, but he was an award winning journalist. He won Journalist of the Year from CNN. So he was he wasn't just some like um, kind of lazy you know person trying to trying to make it. He had made it, and then he was he was just faking it the whole time. And so yeah, long story short, um, my friend Jake and I, you know, we we like the truth. <laughs> we like to stand up for things we believe in. And so um, we just took it upon ourselves to call him out and write a kind of a rebuttal going through some of the more um, major things that he, that he made up just to show how um, extensive this article, uh, you know, how much it stretched the truth. And, um, and then we, we accidentally got famous for a couple of weeks and we were on, we, this article we wrote went viral (laughs) and um, we were interviewed on, I don't know, like virtually every media um, outlet that you could think of. Um, oh. New York Times, NPR, Huffington Post, um, the BBC, you know. Just like, because this guy was so famous. And yeah, because it was such a yeah. scandal. It was a it oh. was a huge deal in Europe. What's the name yeah. of this? What's the name of this documentary? Yeah. So we we were asked to be in a documentary called um, Inventing Truth, um, the Relodius Affair. Relodius was is his name, the journalist. Okay. So because it was such a big scandal, yeah, every journalist documentarian like wanted to explore this story. So um, this German film team um, came two years ago and followed Jake and I around and made us kind of reenact the process. Weird, okay. (laughs) And, um, but they turned it into a really, really, really um, great film. We just have maybe 15 minutes in it and then it's, it, it, sorry, it goes through like, um, we're like one chapter. So they, they follow his footsteps through all of the articles he faked. And so it's, I think what that, that was like the really interesting part about being in the documentary was seeing how we fit into this larger international media scandal. Um, Cause Fergus Falls was just one of many uh, things that he got away with. So that's more of a, passion doesn't really have much to do with springboard for the arts, no, but well, it did in the it, sense that like yeah. writing and expressing yeah. and like, if you have a thought and you have an opinion or whatever, write it, express it, share it. You know, that's a very, very artistic quality to, to chase after investigative journalism. There's is an art, is an art in itself, I guess. So. Sure. Yeah. And I think I just am really passionate about rural places because I, not just here in Fergus Falls, but I, I travel, you know, to North Dakota, to all kinds of, communities and I see how uh, hard people are working through my job to um, to make their communities better and kind of push the status quo. And there is so much amazing 
creativity in rural places. And so I just feel like my job at Springboard, my job in life is to bring that out and make sure the world knows about it. All right. Talk about these highlighted pra services that you sent me here. Yeah. The guaranteed income program for rural artists. It's the first of its kind in the nation. You want to give a little brief overview of that? Yeah. So, I mean, um, I mentioned that it's hard to list all of the programs we um, do at Springboard. So um, instead, I just thought I'd highlight a few things that I'm that are really exciting and have been the result of a lot of exploration and um, learning over the last um, 30 years and then 13 in the rural context. So currently uh, we are piloting a program called Guaranteed Minimum Income for Artists. And this program kind of came out of the pandemic when we, um, we were trying to step up and respond to the fact that artists didn't have a safety net uh, when they lost all their gigs, um, you know, they couldn't teach because of the pandemic. Um, and a lot of workers did have safety nets, but not really artists. And so we started this huge emergency relief fund and just um, put out uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to support artists during that time. And then from there, um, got involved with some some um, conversations on economic justice and the fact that artists... Um, you know, deserve and need support, but that often the um, the systems out there to support artists are competitive. And so artists are constantly applying for grants and going up against each other. Um, and who is, you know, who are we to judge who is making the best art mm. in, you know, summer 2021 and who will make the best art, you know, so, so. Oh uh, yeah. You've, if you've been through the process with lakes region grant or an art grant at all you it you can see that it's like dang yeah it's literally yeah. people trying to justify or judge which art is more impactful or or, or better so you guys did right. it more the way you explained it, a lottery well, to get these spots yeah, yeah. rather so, than rather than like mm -hmm. an application and a review process exactly right? yeah and there's these there's this bigger movement outside of the arts on guaranteed income that you know people have may, maybe heard of and it's yep. basically cash payments that are have no strings attached um to like support universal, people, universal it, it's like universal income. Universal yeah, there's income. a lot of words for it. Yeah. Universal basic income is 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 the is the term that gets thrown out yep. a lot, and yep. uh, that's a that's a political rabbit hole of a conversation <laughs> that I I will choose not to participate in at this time. <laughs> but I all do right, really right. like I do really like what you guys are doing specifically mm -hmm. with the artists, and I read up on this program, and it sounds very 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 cool because artists specifically separate from other jobs and industries have a tough time making it because oftentimes there is an alternative or um, people don't realize that they, that it, it is a, that it is a necessity, that it is yeah. a um, essential part of our community. So people don't think about the fact that they do have to support their local musicians and their local artists. Um, and it's obviously, if you're making something like a mug, it's like, hard to get into a market where you're competing against um, cheaper products as a local artist. That's, that's yeah, the that's biggest thing. Very right? well said. Yeah. And income in general for an artist is, is really unpredictable or it, it's seasonal, you know? So a lot of artists make a ton of money in the summer when they're going to sell at different summer festivals, but then it dries up in the winter. So anyway, back to what we're doing. Um, we started the program in St. Paul, did it for a year and then brought it here. Basically we, um, we 
we made a pool of all of the artists in Ottertail County that had ever accessed our program since we opened in Fergus Falls. So just to kind of um, level a playing field that it, anyone that had taken a class, done a consultation, ha- had a partnership of some sort. And that that was a big pool. Um, and then we um, did a lottery is not my favorite word for it, but it, a random drawing basically of 25 people um, because we wanted to take the competition out of it. And um, this is also a big core value of guaranteed income as a whole is that um, it's we're, we're really just, we're trying to demonstrate and test how, how it works. And so we don't want to pick who we think is the best artist or the person making, you know, um, the most difference, but rather just this kind of more baseline, we value artists of all types, you know, um, anyway, so we did a, a lottery and picked 25 artists. They didn't even know they were in the pool <laughs> um, and and then reached out to them, asked if they wanted to participate in this program and get $500 a month for 18 months. So they did, um, so some people just got a random call. You got to just yeah. call people randomly and tell them that they won 500 bucks a month, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, cool. that's how, and some people um, thought it was a scam, I think, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, which yeah, I mean, so, um, but, but part of it too so was like- So some people like, skipped out on it. Some people ignored um, you guys because they thought you were scamming. No, you, no, okay. no. Most people, most people, okay. you know, accepted it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that program is, is going on and really like we're, what we're doing it because we, we we're working alongside uh, a research um, uh, group at the University of Pennsylvania that focuses on- um, research on guaranteed income as a whole, um, not just yep. for arts. So we're trying, we're working with them to do research on the impact of it. Um, and so it's not necessarily that we, we may end up doing ex- expanding this and doing more of it, but really right now our focus is to kind of um, learn how it can work, um, what the best kind of processes are, and then share that, you know, um, with the larger arts and culture world and the economic justice world and what we learn and how, how to mess best, um, uh, create a program like that. And then what the bigger impact is. Yeah. So I like it a lot because it, it gives, um, that guaranteed income for artists specifically gives a reason for an artist not to quit what they're doing or not, ha- not to have to trade what they're producing and what their artistic outlet is to go get another part-time job to cover bills. So I, I do, I do think that in the scheme of the universal basic income, that that's a very, very good application of it. I do think that's a very good application. Yeah. And I think there's some other, yeah, like we're, you know, we've been kind of in this community of other folks doing similar programs, but for other specific demographics. So like guaranteed income for, um, single mothers, you know? So like, um, yeah, I, I'm really excited about it. It's very new. And so we're, we're learning a lot. And, um, I, I like to, uh, imagine, you know, how a program like this specifically in a rural place could also keep artists in the community. So not just, not just keep, keep them, um, committed to their art, but also keep them here because we need them. Uh, we need, we, we need their creativity. And so, 
um, that's one thing I'm excited to kind of learn about. Yeah. Talk now yeah. and you can add anything to that you want to, but talk about the Fergus community arts exchange. Is yeah. that the other thing you sent me, right? Yeah. The other page you sent this me. This is up? brand new. So we just announced this on Friday last week. Um, although I guess I don't know when this podcast is airing, but, um, so it's called the falls community arts exchange. And we, um, kind of, in the spirit of really promoting Fergus Falls as a, a hub for um, thought and leadership about art and community development, we, over the years, have gotten um, so much attention from people trying to build up their arts communities in other rural places that want to come to Fergus and be like, what are you doing here? What's the magic? What's in the water? How how can I do this in my town? And so... Um, in a way, this program is a response to that to make it to kind of create a mechanism for people to spend time in Fergus Falls and learn from the local community. So um, there's kind of two aspects of it. One is a is more of a traditional artist residency track where artists um, across the country can apply and come and get paid to spend four weeks in Fergus Falls and do a project with a local partner. Uh, oh yeah, maybe you should get, someone to, you should get someone to come do a podcast. I've been <laughs> um, looking for a co-host. <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, I, let's talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so that's one component is that we will start to be hosting artists um, from all over the place, and we'll be matching them with local organizations. Mm. Um, one of our host partners is going to be Otter Cove, for example. So, awesome. so you know, just uh, I mean, we have a lot of talent here, but also it, it's so valuable to bring in new perspectives that can and new people that can kind of ask new questions or just bring a very specific skill to the community yeah. that maybe we don't have. Um, so, but the the real emphasis is on exchange too. So, also, you know, these the artists that come, um, we're also wanting them to have something they want to learn from the community. So like, how do you start a children's museum? You know, how do you That's open awesome. up a pottery shop? How do you do a podcast? So it's really about that reciprocity in the exchange. But then the other part that I'm really excited about, and we're still working out the details is, um, when we're not hosting those artists, we also, um, are going to develop kind of a self curated, uh, exchange so that people can, um, just book book the space with us and book packages to come and maybe go to a theater concert, a, a theater production, or do a printmaking class at the Cadets. So we have um, worked with our landlord and we fixed up um, the apartment right above Springboard, and that's where they'll be ah, staying. Ah, um, cool! It's this beautiful view of downtown, cool. uh, and uh, we just—I think there's a big piece of our work that is. Um, about hospitality and hosting and, and geographic exchange that um, has been a huge passion of mine. I just feel like the more connections we can make across, um, across the arts world, but also across the upper Midwest, like the stronger, you know, we can be as a, as a region and be able to respond to. Well, things. and the, and the, I mean, collaboration is the key to growth. Mm -hmm. Look at like, that's, I think when I talk to, um, Natalia, who's not with Greater Fergus Falls anymore, but she was sharing about the startup of Greater Fergus Falls and how that was a done and launched out of a collaboration with a meeting with the somebody from Bemidji, yeah, and and us taking their idea and applying it to our community, and so it's really the smart communities are going to look at the communities that have done it or done something good. Like Otter Cove is a perfect example of something that our community has that a lot of communities 
need and don't have, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I know my sister's from Alec and she has a bunch of like um, adopted kids, international foster kids technically is what, is what they are. So mm-hmm. she gets a free, she can come to Otter Cove. She got a, she got a part of that pass to come to Fergus and they live in Alec and they have some stuff similar in Alec, but nothing like Otter Cove in the educational aspect of it. It's cool that you go in there. It's our community that the kids are like, they're, ed- so they're being educated. So it's like, it's a really cool idea. And I think that um, there's plenty of stuff that our community does. And then you get these artists in too, and we get ideas from them too, right? That's the mm-hmm. idea is that they bring ideas with them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, yep. Um, how about events, future upcoming events? Um, yeah, we don't, you know, most of our programs are more um, service oriented or, um, uh, we don't do a lot of public events, but one thing people could come and check out is uh, we're hosting this really beautiful time-based installation right now by artist um, Candice Creole Falcone, who's based in Earhart. Uh, and they are making this um, set of banners based on their student loan debt experience. So it's kind of a commentary on the student loan system. Uh, and Candace is hosting a stitch in, uh, in April where people can come and bring their sewing or mending projects and talk with Candace and other people that come about money and just like the role of money and debt in their lives. And that's another kind of example of just, you know, providing spaces for people to connect and not feel so isolated and, um, you know, that they can kind of do something about. Gotcha. So how can people get involved with springboard for the arts then? Like if you're an artist and you've never worked with springboard, like obviously when people come to you, they're mainly looking for not just money, but also resources and getting connected with the community. But most of the time people are coming to you and looking for money. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we we're we're not so much a funding organization. Um, so the guaranteed income is more of, you know, this separate thing that we've been trying. So you guys don't do grants. We don't do grants. No. Um, but we, the best way for people to get involved is, um, through, we, we always have free, uh, artist workshops online. Um, we moved them, most of them to online when the pandemic happened. So it's nice because you can join from anywhere and we have workshops like covering things like trademarks or, um, e-commerce, you know, things that, just helping artists kind of navigate um, the different ways they can uh, sell or get their art out there. And, um, and then we also, I, I often tell artists that the, a great first step with springboard is to sign up for artist career consultations. So we have this roster of 40 some artists all across uh, Minnesota and you can do a one-on-one consultation with them about your arts practice, any question really that you have, like there's a con there's a consultant that can, help walk you through, um, help you get unstuck, make some plans. Uh, and those, those are free. Um, we have a grant with the, uh, with Minnesota deed to make those free to artists, um, all across the state. Hmm. So yeah, check out our events page on springboard. I guess I, I'm, when I said we don't do events, I meant more like we don't do a lot of in-person events, but we have workshops constantly. Like every week there's a way to, um, get, some education, get some knowledge and meet artists all across the state. Yeah. And obviously you guys are a hub for art resources Mm -hmm. and connecting. You have a book of all your other, like if if I wanted to, if I was wanting to get into pottery and I wanted to go find some other local potters, you guys could give me the list of people that are in that industry. 
Yeah, and that's where our our downtown office is a resource center. So I I should mention too that people can always stop by and just kind of learn more about what we do. And it's often it's often easier for us to hear where you're at in your art practice and what you're working on, and then ha- and then we can help kind of figure out what at Springboard is possible for you or what else in the community like grants at Lake Region. So Dominic is often the person that fields those questions. He's awesome to talk to, really fun. Uh, And then we also have just a little computer lab in our office so people can also just come and use the internet, print, you know, just be in a supportive space. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I like it. So it's like kind of a little co-work space there too. Kind of, yeah. And is that... Do they have to pay to come in there and use no. that space or just drop in and use it? It's just drop in. Yeah. Mm, very nice. Very, yeah. very cool. Um, all right. Let's get, I'll give you a chance to, to fill in on anything um, you wanted to that you didn't get a chance to at the end, but let's get into mistakes and advice here. And then we're, we got to get, we're going to get some ukulele song going as well. I'm excited for this, but first biggest mistake you've made throughout your career, <laughs> personal business, however you want to approach that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think more about weaknesses, I guess, than mistakes and just kind of, um, well also, also kind of the day-to-day mistakes that kind of can lead to burnout, like skipping lunch. (laughs) Like, I feel like when I think of mistakes, that's really, uh, it's more of the patterns and the habits that we have that kind of, um, take us away from living our fullest lives and so for me, I've always, the I, if I think about it more from a weakness uh, perspective, I think that for a long time, I just took myself too seriously um, and really would let myself kind of overthink and overanalyze to the point where I would just be kind of frozen from action. Um, and I think that thanks to a lot of the artists that I've worked with um, and coworkers and just kind of getting older and having a kid to having children around helps with this, but I've really, um, learned to, um, to always like prioritize joy and fun. Um, if I'm not having fun with something, then I have to ask myself why, uh, I think joyful people are powerful people. And so I think that, um, I don't know, in my past, like I was just, um, and I was overworking and just kind of bringing myself every day to the verge of burnout. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that is. I like that approach to that question, actually, because yeah. oftentimes people will, will like go to a mistake they made and like try to make it one thing. So I love yeah. your perspective on that, that, yeah, we make mistakes, but more than that, we have tendencies and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Like we have repetitive weaknesses that we constantly have to hurdles that we constantly have to get over within Mm -hmm. each of us. So I like that. Yeah. My other mistake is not buying GameStop, GameStop (laughs) stock in 2021. Yeah. Right. Bitcoin in 2008, right? Bitcoin in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, How about uh, best business advice for artists? Let's say best business advice for art or general, I guess, but you deal with artists a lot. Yeah. So, hmm, for artists. Or in general, if you had something else. Yeah. I mean, I guess it kind of um, is related to to what I just said is I think what's what's helped me both as a leader and a creative person, actually, and what I see helping other folks is just getting really clear on your values and what and really like making a person personal 
mission statement. Because I think, um, you know, we do that so much with businesses and organizations, but I don't think um, we stop and kind of think of like, what's my, uh, what's, what's like really driving me? What brings me joy? What I think coming up with that mission statement, um, even if it changes a week later or a year later, um, can really help you figure out what to say yes and no to. Um, because I think a lot of artists, um, they have, I think I've seen them and I hear them say like, they have this tendency to say yes to everything. Cause there's sort of this like validation crisis always happening. And I think that can take you away from the work that's really going to, um, help you thrive as a human being and an individual. Um, but then I think more in like the business world, if I can add one more thing of advice is I feel lucky to work at an organization that really prioritizes its staff's well-being. And I think um, one thing that I um, have started to feel really passionate about is just um, workers, work culture and like how to um, make a culture where you're, you're valuing people's humanity before anything else. And if you're, at this point where everyone is overworked, they can't take time off. They're out of PTO. Like what about that is a reflection of your business or your organization that you need to change? Cause we're all part of these systems. Um, and we have a responsibility to recognize when, when we might have the power to even change a tiny piece of that system and make it more possible for people to eat a healthy meal because they're not burned. They're not overworking or spend time with their family Yep. So that's something I think about a lot and I'm lucky to work at an organization that, that does that. And I would love to see more people think really hard about that. Yeah. There we go. There we go. That's more of like a, it's really hard for a small business corporate. That's like big corporate business stuff, like corporate greed and, and that kind of stuff that I think, but that again, rabbit hole of a conversation. We don't, have to, we don't have to get in. We don't have to get into that too much here, but, um, I do want to give you an opportunity to just fill in anything you wanted to pe people to know about um, Springboard. Best way to get a hold of you is just drop in email. Yeah, for, I think email is is best, or drop in and just um, you know say hi to Dominic and um, introduce yourself. Um, yeah, for artists, you know, we just want to hear from you and what what you're working on and um, how. Um, how we can help you take the next step in your art. And then I'll also just mention that. All, we also love talking to businesses and community organizations about how to collaborate with artists. And we're always, we're doing, we often do a lot of matchmaking, you know, just helping a business maybe find a, a musician or artist to do a mural or write a song or whatever. So, um, and then even deeper partnerships too. We, we love kind of customizing um, our approach with all types of people. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate all the information. Hopefully the people were engaged and they got some information about springboard that otherwise wouldn't be available. So I appreciate you sitting it down and doing this. Let's hear this ukulele here. So I don't know how we're going to do this. I'm going to try and get a mic set up on the ukulele oh, okay. and then maybe one mic up on you here. So let's see if I can do this. Here. Can I um, talk about what I'm doing singing while you're doing yeah, that? Yeah, so, please, please. so I know your, your studio here is um, right by the bakery. Um, where all the trucks are always the um, bimbo bakery, I think it's called. Um, and so I wrote this song a, a year ago and it's actually about steel wheels. So we're, 
I realized when I was coming to to do your podcast, like the song um, is really about like this little circle of blocks. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, ah, I feel like even though I'm kind of nervous, like I feel like this is a good opportunity to yeah. share it. I'll just do some chords to see how it sounds. And I'm not a professional uke player, by the way. So yeah, I wrote this song um, kind of around Christmas time, and it's sort of a, just about the the community that was at Steel Wheels. Um, so people that hung out there a lot uh, might recognize some of the stories here. Okay. I bought a whiskey ginger ale. And sat at the bar at closing time And nearly everyone was there But you, my love, were fast asleep Old Wayne was saying something about Denny As the snow fell down on Cascade Street The trucks were leaving To deliver their bread And Anna's smile Never looked so sweet Here goes another Long and cold Winter night uh, Here goes another year Just figuring for a cold. <clears throat> some came here to escape, some to raise hell, some came here for a living wage. What would George Wright think, or would he even care, or would he ask the jury on the news page? Here goes a a good I love a good song about our community I need more of that we need we need more people writing songs about our community I think there's I some people that appreciate that well thank you very much I appreciate Thanks, you Jacob. joining me it was a great great episode here got to thank the sponsors Stumbino's Coffee Elevate Dispensary Victor Lundin's Hotel 8 Biffley's Bookmark Lakes Area Grow Co 
uh, yeah, I hope you guys have a good week and we will be back with more of these. I'm not sure who's next, but it'll be, it'll, it's sure to be somebody great. So you guys have a good yeah. one. <laughs>